Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back. It is the NFC East Mixtape Volume 4. I believe I am RJ Ocho from Blog and the Voice. He is Brandon Lee Gotten from Bleeding Green Nation. Coming to you a day or so later than we normally do. The mixtape has days that we can really put wherever we want, BLG. It doesn't matter. The NFL schedule came out, so we had to adjust, and we are here today to discuss. But, BLG, how are you doing? Uh, RJ, big podcast today going through the schedule. I have a couple things I want to get to before we get into the meat of the show. I want to say, obviously, for you Cowboys fans listening out there on the Blogging the Boys feed, come over to Bleeding Your Nation podcast feed. Give us a five-star review. You can tell us how much you hate the Eagles, but just give us five stars. And for you Eagles fans listening on Bleeding Your Nation podcast feed, do the same thing by going to Blogging the Boys podcast feed. Tell them how much the Cowboys suck, but give five stars and tell them how much you enjoy the podcast. And then one more thing, RJ. I don't know if you know this, but... You're following 999 people on Twitter. So <laughs> the next person you follow is going to be that, like the thousandth, the thousandth person that you follow on Twitter. That's a huge decision. I feel like we have to do something for that. Do we? Do we make you follow a listener if they tweet at you or something? Like, what do we do here? It's a, it's a so big deal. I hate that you brought this up because I don't. I like don't want to break a thousand. So like sometimes mm. like if I follow somebody or if I need to follow somebody, there's a purge. You know what I mean? Like I like the symmetry of 999. Um, mm. So you know it is what it is. But like you, you've got to be elite to earn my follows. Really like yeah, okay. I follow. I follow Brandon Lee Gowden. I follow Bleeding Green Nation. You know what I mean? Like you got to be up at the top of your game to get a follow from me, especially at the point I'm at where like, I've got to go unfollow somebody else. you got to kick someone out. It's like the hunger games. You know what I mean? If you want to survive, uh, you mentioned though, the, uh, the review system that we offer, we certainly ask for reviews and ratings. Um, it's make sure it's a five-star rating. Like BLG said, but yeah. you can write whatever you want. Um, and in that spirit, Toby McGuire's biggest fan uh, left a review on the blog and the boys podcast network. It is a five-star review. The title of it, BLG, Argio Choa, the tallest kindergartner, and it reads as follows. I tried to speaking of I tried to follow RJ on Twitter for a day because he is my wow. favorite Cowboys fan after all. However, being my favorite Cowboys fan is like being the tallest kindergartner at a whopping two foot seven inches. I just couldn't do it with that Cowboys content on my timeline. Nonetheless, the NFC mixtape is fire. Go birds. <sighs> Really, this is a mega compliment because it means that like all I'm doing is tweeting Cowboys content, which Cowboys fans care about. But I can understand Eagles fans not necessarily being, you know, the biggest fans. of. I literally once was the tallest kindergartner because I'm very tall and I've always been very tall. So good for me. BLG, uh, I know this from when we had to fill out bios for the SB Nation NFL show. Go subscribe to that too and listen uh, to all the shows that we offer. BLG and I co-hosted the Oddcast this week. Um, you're the same height as LeBron James. That is true. We were both six foot nine and <laughs> equally famous and talented at basketball. Yes. Uh, cool. Well, uh, LeBron is a Cowboys fan, um, just like most people in the world. The Dallas Cowboys are playing in the season opener, BLG. I mentioned the podcast we predicted. We put together the ideal 17-game schedule. Uh, that was what we had in week one. I guess that's probably the best place to start. By the way, we are going to offer our record predictions for all four NFC East teams. And I have something that I really want to complain about. Uh, but BLG, your thoughts on Dallas getting the opening slide against Tampa Bay? I like it. I think Eagles fans are going to love seeing this. It's a great opportunity for the Cowboys to go 0-1, and uh, we can all enjoy that. Nice little start to the season. Uh, I love it. I think it's great. I think the Cowboys, you know, America's team, you know, great, great stuff there. Put them in prime time. Put them in the in the first, the very first game. We we can't wait to see the Cowboys come back and lose. So I couldn't be happier. But I feel like you didn't like this when we talked about this. So I didn't think it was going to happen. I think hmm. that if you're the NFL it doesn't make sense to burn such a great ratings game 
um, in a slot that people are going to watch no matter what. But as the Athletics, Richard Deitch pointed out, the opening game has kind of suffered in ratings, suffered like for the NFL, which is still really great. Um, And so maybe they want like some juice. So I can understand that. Um, The other reason I didn't think this would happen was because the Cowboys, and they ultimately did, but they generally play the Thursday after Thanksgiving as well. So they generally play those two Thursdays in a row. Um, and we all know about the mini buy that accompanies, uh, you know, playing on Thursdays. So I thought surely the NFL will not give the Cowboys two mini buys, right? Like coming, like going from Thursday to Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. And then I thought if they give them the opener, they probably won't play on Thursday night football after Thanksgiving. Sometimes what the league has done is instead of giving them that Thursday slot, they wait another couple of weeks and put them on a Saturday night. Uh, they played the Jets on a Saturday night. That's, you know, whatever. Uh, but lo and behold, they gave them the opener and the Thursday night football game, which is in New Orleans, uh, seven days after Thanksgiving, the first of three straight road games, by the way, for the Cowboys uh, there in December. So the Cowboys get two mini buys, BLG, and you know the importance of a mini buy. It's not, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win the game following it. But the two opponents that the Cowboys have following their mini buys, so their week two opponent and their week 14 opponent, uh, in week two, they visit the Los Angeles Chargers. That is the Chargers home opener, first game they're ever playing in SoFi Stadium with fans. We know how uh, poorly Chargers fans show up to Chargers games, and we know how loudly Cowboys fans show up in Los Angeles. So that could be a nice you know, added bonus besides the extra rest. And in week 14, after the mini buy, Dallas will be in Washington. And I think you would agree from a Dallas perspective, the most important division game this season is the one in Washington. So having that little bit of an advantage kind of helps. So it really worked out nicely. I'm glad. Yeah, it's so unlike the uh, <laughs> the NFL schedule to ever benefit the Cowboys. Like they get this, uh, they they never have to play. Here, here it is. Here's the the big topic of debate that you've been uh, you and I've been having in uh, like publicly for, for uh, years. Privately. We've we've been debating this for years. Yeah. I mean, it's just ridiculous. There's there's a real there's literally no good reason for the Cowboys to never have to play a road Thursday game anymore. And they don't. Like, they do. They play with this year. They play on the road well, I mean, on Thursday night football. On short rest as opposed to but not the Thanksgiving one, right? Like not no, going like that's so, that's always the first of their two Thursdays, to your point. So it's not a short week. It's not they're not playing on a Thursday night on short rest from a Sunday to a Thursday, which is Correct. like Ask players, ask coaches. That's like one of the very hardest things to do in the NFL is like to go on the road in that very, very condensed stretch and then win a game. Like that's really tough to do. It's 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 might be the biggest disadvantage there is in the NFL. And the Cowboys literally never have to do it. Like that's just there's no good reason why they never have to do it. Like you, you bring up all this reasoning about like, oh, they have to play this condensed schedule and a lot of games in a few days, but like, okay, but they're not doing what a lot of people agree is one of the very hardest things to do like there's no good reason for it to happen like just play a road thursday game on short rest at some point like it shouldn't never happen i I don't i don't get how what possibly like competitive reason is there to justify the cowboys never having to do this i'm not saying it's an answer that's going to satisfy you but the answer is that they play their home game on thanksgiving every year right like that's that's the thing like and, and everyone can moan and groan about that but they are the afternoon Thanksgiving day game and it will be for the end of like until the end of time. But so if like, if you got your wish, they would have to play two short week games in a season, which no other team has to do. Um, but no, I, no, I, they can yeah. play on the road on Thanksgiving. What is so wrong about that? Like, what is so like, why can't they ever, I, I fine. Keep them on Thanksgiving every year. Fine. Why can't they like alternate it a little bit? Like, why can they never play on the road? Like, that because doesn't make of, any sense because of the ratings involved. That's again, like that's the way the, oh. NFL, oh this is the NFL's answer, not mine. Uh, but what I will say, like, I can acknowledge that it, it makes sense to you that it's frustrating that the Cowboys never have to play a road Thursday night game off a of short rest. That is yes. totally fair. But the trade off, as I put it to you in our Slack chat, is the Cowboys, again, this isn't a 100% thing, but for the most part, also play the Thursday after Thanksgiving. So while every other team, granted, even the ones that have to play on the road, they go from Sunday to Thursday, then they get their mini-buy right away. They get a week and a half to rest after their condensed week. 
The Cowboys don't get that. After the Thanksgiving Day game, they're on a normal week's worth of rotation. And so, granted, that is certainly not another short week, but they have they go Sunday to Thursday to Thursday. Every other NFL team, except for their opponent that week, goes Sunday to Thursday to Sunday. In fact, some teams go Sunday to Thursday to Monday. And so, like, that's like the way I'm I'm not trying to like meet you in the middle, but like you have to acknowledge that that's a real thing. That's undeniable fact that they have to play those three games in that condensed time. And that's that's the trade-off, I think. Yeah, but they're getting the extra rest on that second Thursday, right? Because then they're going they, that they Thursday to us. They do Sunday. still net them in, and that's what I'm talking about. So this year, as an example, uh, they're in Kansas City the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Then they host the Raiders on Thanksgiving. That's their short week, granted, at home. Then seven days later, they're on the road in New Orleans. So that does kind of mitigate, because sometimes that second Thursday game has been at home. And so, like, they get, you know, granted the short, you know, amount of time, but they're at home the entire time. And then after that road Thursday game in New Orleans, they're on the road again in Washington. And on that subject, BLG, there are only three teams in the NFL. This is the NFC East mixtape, but only three teams in the league that have three straight road games this season. The And we'll go chronologically. The Indianapolis Colts, uh, shout out to Carson Wentz, will be on the road weeks three, four, and five. The Cincinnati Bengals will be on the roads weeks six, seven, and eight. And the Dallas Cowboys have the latest stretch weeks 13, 14, and 15. They're on the road. That is, and maybe that makes you feel better, like that there is this like balancing because their their prize for hosting their Thursday night game is they immediately have to play three games on the road. Who do they play in that third straight game on the road? Again. Uh, so after Thanksgiving, they visit New Orleans and then they get the mini buy and they visit Washington. And then so Sunday to Sunday, then they visit the Giants. So New Orleans, Washington, New York. So that is definitely st- like that's significant to play three straight games on the road. I remember the Eagles played the Saints last year and the, you know, Jalen Hurts was his first full. Yeah, his first full right. NFL start um, after, you know, he came in for Carson Wentz in the Packers team and the Eagles upset the saints that was their third straight road game like those oh, and they that, had just been, legit- they had just been to lambo right the week before Wait. yeah because that was the game yes. jalen went in for carson yeah but i'm saying that on the saints and also that was their third oh road that game. was new orleans yeah, yeah. third straight. gotcha gotcha yeah but, because and then was one then didn't philly go to arizona the week after that uh yes correct so, so yeah. like there was a actually like a crossover of like two different teams in the middle of of two different three straight road games but yeah so you're so that's what you're kind of saying is that third game for new orleans might have been made a little bit more tough by the fact that it was their third road game in a row it's a real thing like three straight games on the road is hard like once you get to that third game like it is like it's a grind it's a challenge it's like that's not insignificant so the fact that it's happening for the cowboys in the division like that's definitely a disadvantage maybe maybe the nfl schedule makers are finally catching on a little bit and trying to even it out so that's nice to see um well there is a little bit of a balance there uh the cowboys blg have five primetime games no shocker there um they have some big window games like the chiefs game will be cbs you know jim nance tony romo tracy wolves and all that jazz um but let's go to the eagles um the first these two teams will meet on Monday night football. Um, the most, I think, recent memory people have of Cowboys Eagles on Monday night football is 2008. Deshaun Jackson, not <laughs> quite carrying it into the end zone. Um, that was a good time. It's, it's rare Cowboys Eagles on Monday night football, but it will happen in week three. And if you'll allow me, I got super lucky here. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know who saw. If I, I don't know if I tweeted about this, but I said it some you know shows I did. I'm going to the Ryder Cup this year. Um, I don't know who's listening is a fan of golf, but that is taking place the weekend of week three. And so I was like panicked. You know, what am I going to do? Like, you know, like I was like, what if the Cowboys play the Chiefs that week? You know, like, what am I going to do? Blah, blah. Monday night football. Boom. Roasted. So nice for me. But uh, Cowboys Eagles Monday night week three. Your thoughts? The answer is no one because golf is boring and no one wants to uh, think about golf. So okay. that's that's the true answer. Um, I'm sure that won't anger anyone who actually does like golf uh, who's listening to this. Um, you mentioned the Cowboys have five primetime games, RJ. No surprise there. These only have two. That is think shocking. That. It's it's it really is like uh, so. Hat tip to uh, the Eagles subreddit that pointed this out. The last time the Eagles had two or fewer primetime games was 2000 we're talking 21 years ago that's crazy and then the last time they didn't have a sunday night football game was 2003 you know this is andy reed donovan McNabb. this is how like this is a crazy long time ago so uh, i think that kind of just really kind of uh 
reflects what I've been saying about this team. Like, this, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of juice here other than Devontae Smith, which has been like the most exciting thing for, to happen to this team in a long time and why it's been such a big deal and why I've been so excited about it is there's there's just not a lot of juice here. Now, I guess I will mention that, you know, the flexing, you know, is more uh, – flexible than it has ever really been i think it comes to sunday night football and also the eagles might be playing in like a prime time kind of game because they have that uh i think it's week uh 15 16 game 15, 15 game where yeah the date hasn't been decided yet if if the eagles are good then i'm, I'm imagining they're going to be playing against washington on saturday in like you know a feature game and if they're not the nfl is just going to try to hide it on sunday instead so you know, there's potential for more, but I think that kind of just speaks to where the how the NFL views the Eagles, and it's it's strange. It's just not you know for you know they've had their downs whatever through the years, but they've usually at least been some kind of like compelling team, and they're just they're not. They're just like irrelevant. I, like, look, I read more than any and write probably more <laughs> and podcast more uh, about the Eagles than anyone, and just like reading. Uh, you know, football morning in America each week from Peter King, and then you know MMQB from Albert Breer, like these national columns, like. The Eagles aren't getting mentioned in those. And I don't right. I don't blame those guys. I'm just saying, like, it's it's just really interesting how this team has kind of just like fallen off the map in terms of uh, intrigue level. So I want to talk about the intrigue and the division as a whole, like down the stretch of the season. We'll get there in a little bit. But to to look at this, like from a surface, you know, perspective, the Eagles, the Giants, and Washington, because like people make a lot about primetime games, and you're right, like that's a really fascinating thing that's been 21 years, but the I think a bigger measurement of how much the NFL cares isn't necessarily how many primetime games you have. It's how many noon games do you have? Because that's when the NFL is truly trying to bury you. Like if you are a contending team, you're playing a lot in the afternoon. And so mm-hmm. all three non-Cowboys teams have 11 games in the noon slot, uh, which is <laughs> nuts. The, the Cowboys only have seven. And some of that is just the Cowboys are going to pull no matter what. Although we are talking about a Cowboys team that got flexed out of Sunday Night Football last year. Uh, in the game against the San Francisco 49ers of all teams. But, I mean, yeah, dude, like, that's nuts. And not only do they only have two primetime games, uh, but correct me if I'm wrong, BLG, they're two. Uh, you mentioned that it was not there was no Sunday Night Football game. Are Monday Night Football and Thursday Night Football. And one of those yeah. games is against the Cowboys, and the other is against the reigning world champion Buccaneers. So, like, it's not even, like, the Eagles that are driving any of this. They're just, like, along for the ride in both instances on the two inferior primetime slots. Yeah, it's kind of crazy uh, to look at that. And again, if you know, the, let's say they're better than expected. Uh, and I have a theory, by the way, on, on this NFC sponging. Uh-huh. We can get into that in a bit here. Um, a couple other things I just wanted to mention here on the Eagles schedule is that they do have a big advantage this year. I think I was looking at um, Warren Sharp had put out something about how like, mm-hmm. the Eagles had basically like the biggest rest disadvantage in the past 10 years. Well, I think it, some of that is being repaid this year because the Eagles don't play any teams coming off a bye or Thursday night football. So uh, that's pretty good for them. No uh, no rest issues. Um, where else were in the division, by the way? I, I, I was looking here, and Washington football team plays two teams coming off the bye, including the Eagles. Uh, the Cowboys get the Vikings off of the bye, and then the Giants have the Raiders off the bye. So every other NFC's team has at least one team coming off a bye. So uh, there's there's that to consider. Um, the Cowboys yeah, thing, I mean, by the way, is a is a double whammy in that they get the Vikings coming off of their bye, but they are coming off their bye. So they don't even okay, get they so, don't even get like that advantage. You know what I mean? Like it's, right. it's not it's not only that they're they're losing out on that; it's that they're also not picking it up somewhere else. It's just nullified completely. The last thing I want to say in the Eagles is there's like a lot of talk about, oh, the Eagles have the easiest strength of schedule in the league. Like, why are are we still using strength of schedule as a way to determine? Like, why are we doing this? It's like like using passing yards. Like, it's literally the equivalent of that. I saw so many people doing this with the Eagles. And I'm like, like, are we like so that the whole concept of that is so funny to me because it's like strength of schedule. This thing that assumes that last year just automatically carries over to this year. But then, so if you're looking at that and you're an Eagles fan or, you know, whatever, any kind of fan of a team that has an easy schedule, strength of schedule, it's like, so we're looking at that for hope. But you're saying that the Eagles, they're going to be different this year. But then you're looking at something that is assuming that all the teams are going to be the same to justify things are going to be different. Like that doesn't make any logical sense. So obviously, the better way to look at strength of schedule is going by win totals, you know, Vegas or, you know, the betting odds, wins totals. And if you look at that, the Eagles schedule, depending on which uh, sports uh, book you use, you know, (laughs) obviously the numbers vary. But uh, the Eagles one is, I found one that was like 15th. So none of them you look at are hard, but I just like slow down a little bit, people, when we're talking about like, this is the easiest schedule in the league. Like, you know, they have to play the Chiefs. They have to play the Chargers. They have to play the Bucks. So like, it's not like a cakewalk by any means. 
I um I agree with you completely. And I think like what happens when people go off of strength of schedule, like that, that's going to be the case for the entire NFC East, right? Like it's going to, because they get to play each other and their records were so bad last year. It's so dumb. Um, But I, I, I just have like a, an interesting point. Maybe it's not interesting, um, but, <laughs> but like, that. right. So we talked primetime games. We talked noon games again, almost the true like reflective value of how the NFL values your team is how often they put them in the afternoon. America's game of the week on Fox with Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Aaron Andrews, and Christina Pink, or the CBS call again, Jim Nance, Tony Romo, Tracy Wilson. So of the, obviously the NFC East is playing the AFC West. Every NFC East team against the Denver Broncos BLG is in the afternoon slot, except for the Cowboys. The Cowboys play Denver at noon, but every other NFC East team plays them in the three o'clock window. That's just weird to me. Like why, like why, if, if we're, if we're like guessing, like I'm looking at the Eagles schedule right now, I mean, we're looking at all these schedules right now, but their afternoon games are actually all AFC West teams. They play visit Vegas in the afternoon slot. They get the chargers in that slot. And both those kind of make sense. The Raiders, maybe you could go kind of plus minus, but then the Broncos, I don't understand it. Like if, if you told me, okay, you can have three of these games in the afternoon. Why are the Broncos and, and Raiders in the afternoon slot over the chiefs? Like, why are you putting the chiefs at noon against the Eagles? You know what I mean? That doesn't make sense to me. Um, and mm. similarly, like Washington plays the Chargers at noon. Why why not put Washington Chargers in the afternoon instead of Washington Denver? Like, why did Denver get all of the, like 75% of the, the afternoon slots against the NFC East? I don't know. Do you have a theory? I mean, I I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't want to be like, oh, this is the sign that the NFL believes Aaron Rodgers is ending up there. But like that would be the only mm-hmm. like logical thing, wouldn't it be? Um, in, in that like that that's the only like why would you prioritize Denver over almost literally any other team in their division? Right? Like, uh, yeah. do they not have you're talking about like, you know, your MMQBs and your football morning in America is like of all the AFC West teams, Rodgers drama aside, don't the Broncos have the least amount of juice? Uh, I would say the Raiders. I think the to me at least, like I just even looking at going through the Eagles win predictions for BleedingGreenNation.com, I was like, I don't really know what to say about this team. That's interesting at all. Like th- they have the quarterback you would want the least, I think, in the NFL in terms of a guy like who's too good to get rid of, but also too bad to actually win anything with. Uh, kind of in that Kirk Cousins tier, and I, I don't know. Like Gruden isn't like interesting and i don't know there's just not a juice to, to me there for the so it's the raiders for me who are just totally juiceless i mean at least the broncos right now i mean if the broncos don't have you know aaron Rodgers and they go into the season without him then sure but like the fact that that possibility exists right now obviously gives them more mm. i also want to say there are only three teams in the nfl blg to start their season with two road games one is the minnesota vikings Two, the San Francisco 49ers, our buddy Stats uh, is complaining about everything because that's how he does. (laughs) Uh, And the Dallas Cowboys. So, like, again, like, let's hold your horses on. Like, the NFL is catering to the Cowboys. Like, they made (sighs) things difficult for them. But, like, if – tell me if you agree with this or not. If you're a Cowboys fan, BLG hates you. But if you're a Cowboys fan, would you – and you have to start with two really hard games, don't you want them to be Tampa in in the Chargers? Like, that's the best, like, get it – like, if if we – if we ranked all of the quarterbacks the Cowboys will face this season, the three best are undeniably Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, and Justin Herbert, right? So, like, get those – get two of the three out of the way early on. Like, that seems – like, it's it's not a win, but it's it's the, like – it's the least deflating loss in my mind. So, Jimmy Kemsky and I were actually talking about this for BGN Radio, and he would very much disagree with you because mm. he thinks it's it's generally better to get the good teams, at least on paper, later in the year because, in theory, they can get hurt. You know, there right. could be an injury. And I think, like, so, you know, the, and obviously the chances of that are less at the beginning of the season. So, from that perspective, no, I'd almost rather have them uh, later in the year and hope they get decimated. I mean, look at the Saints last year in terms of the Eagles, you know, getting to face right. Taysom Hill instead of Drew Brees. So, That's a good point. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would actually go the other way on that. Mm, so you're wrong and i hate you <laughs> um okay so um well we have I, we have this whole nfc east cluster thing to get to uh, but before yes. we do we've got to take a quick break so nobody going to going to take a very quick break to hear a word from our sponsors support for this show comes from sylvan learning as a parent you want your child to have every opportunity but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. 
and Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. Uh, We've been teasing this long enough. And so I want to go ahead and get there uh, before we get to our record predictions, BLG. I, I have a diatribe to to go off. Of. Is, do you go on a diatribe? Is that what you do with a diatribe? Or do you like... You're on a diet. Yes. Well, that, well, that's, I mean, obviously. Um, so I first noticed this, and you first noticed this for the Eagles, but I noticed it for the Cowboys, the bunching of divisional games near the end of the season. Um, so looking at every team in the NFC East, the Cowboys, four of their last five games are within the division. The Eagles, five of their last six are within the division, although that does include the bye week. So a little bit of a different thing, but still the point still stands. Uh, New York has the lowest level in this measurement. Three of their last four are within the division. Washington's last five games in a row are NFC East contests. Now, I always associate this particular thing with the Falcons and the Saints. I hate when teams play division rivals play each other two times in three weeks. I hate that. And I always yeah. think of New Orleans and Atlanta. Um, Dallas and uh, Dallas and Philadelphia, excuse me, both get Washington twice in three weeks. Washington's uh, final four weeks leading up to the finale, Dallas at Philly at Dallas, Philly. This is stupid. I hate like I really don't like this. Uh, I'm curious for your thoughts it's not enough time to like build like more intrigue and drama. Like it's the, the dynamic of a, like a rivalry. I feel like can change when you play a team, let's say in September and then all the way later in the season in December, that could be totally different teams, dynamics, starting quarterbacks, injuries, whatever. Like it's a whole different game to have them so close as a bummer. Um, I think it's worked out before. If you're going to do like within three games, I think there has to be a bye week in there. So there's at least like, like the extra mm, gap right. of a week to kind of put some distance. Cause the Eagles have done that with the giants before. And I still don't love it because it feels too close, but at least adds a little bit in there. It's, it's crazy, man. It's, it's weird for the Eagles to only have one NFC East matchup in their first 11 games. Like that's so strange. Uh, and then yeah, five in their last six games, uh, four out of their last four. So you said Washington five. Out of their yeah, last yeah, the last it's, four it's, in a row. Good point. Yeah. It's just so nuts. Um, my theory on this, I, I've been thinking about why, why did this happen? And I, is it like punishment? Is this like, this is your punishment. <laughs> NFC East, like you had, I, I think it could be because last year the NFC East was in the final game of the regular season. It was on national and everyone was like, Oh, this is such a disgrace. And everyone in the league was already thinking that, you know, the NFC East was a joke. And then it really crystallized with that game where the Eagles wisely decided not to win. And I think it's almost like the NFL didn't want to go to NFC East forward. I know the Cowboys are in the opener, but we're talking about division games and division as a whole. I think they were like, let's let that simmer a little bit. Let's, let's leave some time for that uh, to, to be removed from that all. And maybe the thought is like, okay, these teams are going to be close by the end of the season. And the best way to add in uh, some intrigue to this division is just to stack it all at the end. What about you? What's your thought on this? I don't have a thought. I like, I, because I don't, I can't like rationalize it any one way. So for anyone who's curious, there are 12 total games that are pl- like 12 games that are one NFC East team against the other in a given season. Eight of them, BLG, eight, two thirds take place over the final five weeks, which means that you only have four. NFC East games in totality from weeks one through 12. That's stupid. I mean, we're talking about we get to mid-December. 
with only four NFC East games that have happened to that point. What's more is of these eight games that take place over the course of the final five weeks, and maybe this supports your, um, you know, they're being punished, you know, theory, is only one of them is not at noon. Like, 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 and that one is on primetime, to be fair, Washington at Dallas. Now, also, to be fair, Washington at Philly the week before that is the subject to change one that you talked about. But still, yeah. like, so you have all of this NFC East action. And, like, I could kind of understand it if the NFL was like, we're going to load up NFC East because we know those markets are big. We're going to put one on Monday Night Football, one on Thursday Night Football. We're going to put one on um, Christmas night. or You know what I mean? Whatever. We're going to do another one on Sunday Night Football. But, no, like, it's just – it's it's like sweeping under the rug almost like like the rug of the season like everything's happening it's like oh we got to get this done like let's get it out of the way I, you, you mentioned uh when you talked about your episode with jimmy that you know what if an injury happens and like ultimately you know injuries are part of the game but i mean we we ultimately want the best team to win like you want to feel like the true best team in the division won it at season's end and like like for example zach martin missed week 15 three years ago you know what I mean? And like something like that now would hover so much largely than it does in normal seasons. Like I, I don't under, there's no logic that supports just smashing all of it together in the final window like this. I think it's like really boomer bust potential. Like there's a, there's a situation where like these teams are kind of close and it goes down to the wire and it's kind of like intriguing each week. It's like, Oh, you know, and they're kind of shifting in the standings, but like, what about the scenario where there's a team just like, and I don't know how likely it is, but let's just say it is. And one team runs away with the division. And by the time you get to all these late games, like it doesn't even matter. Like people right. are just jostling for second or third in the division and probably not even necessarily a wild card spot. It's like those games could be meaningless, basically. Or, or a big chunk of the NFL schedule there could be like really not too intriguing at all. So I think it's uh, it's like really boom or bust. They're like playing with fire on this one. Well, so that's really possible. Like we could, if the division is effectively won by Thanksgiving, which it could have been last year, like if Dak Prescott hadn't gotten hurt, right? Like you could, you're playing with hypotheticals at that point. But to your point, uh, we're recording this uh, right now. It's halftime of the Man United Liverpool match. But earlier this mm. week, Man United played Leicester City. And because of Man United's position in the table, like they're solid, they threw out this kind of, you know, more casual lineup than they would if they were taking the match seriously. And all these like soccer fans had this big old problem with it. Like, well, this is so disrespectful. But the like true objective response BLG is, hey, they earned this. Like they earned the right to be able to chill like at this particular moment if yeah. they want to. And to your point, like we could literally get to mid-December where and like I'm using the Cowboys in this instance, but like. I think it's very possible the Cowboys have maybe seven wins at, at, after that New Orleans game on Thursday night football. Mm -hmm. And so they could own, like Dallas could clinch the NFC East effectively um, in week 16, that that Washington Sunday night football game. And so then what happens then over the final two weeks, you have a whole lot of NFC East games that you've just squandered. And to your point about being boomer bust. I mean, like those could have been random Thursday night football games or something throughout the season that you could have benefited more. Like as an example, week 17, uh, Philly is at Washington. That could wind up being something uh, week. And then week 18, you've got the two division matchups across the four teams. So you're talking about potentially three of the 12 division games being meaningless. And I mean, it's it seems like a really dumb bet on the NFL's part for like, if you're going to do this, do it with the NFC West. Right, like a division that is super competitive. This is the wrong one to play with fire on. It's weird. Like there's definitely some kind of conscious effort here, right? Like this didn't happen by accident. Like they, I mean, it doesn't. Like they go through the schedule, and I get things are, are hard, and and maybe it had to happen with someone. But it's just so strange. Like we've never really seen anything like this, right? Like I can't think of any precedent for one division game for the Eagles in their first eleven weeks. That's nuts. It's crazy too because these don't have a bye till week fourteen. Um, it's, it's just, it's so great, which I think is now like the latest possible buy. it is, it is the latest possible buy there is, but, oh, by the way, this stretch, like if the Eagles are still hanging around, like potentially does help them because it helps anybody because the they can catch up to your point. It helps anybody, but they can catch up, but specifically with travel, um, and maybe not so much with the Cowboys or some of the other NFC's teams, but with the Eagles specifically, uh, seven consecutive regular games regular season games in one season without getting on a plane, which is what the Eagles were going to have at the end of their schedule here. It's actually like eight weeks, you know, if you include the buy in there, but it's seven games. Uh, that's never been done before, at least in the Super Bowl era. There was like a handful of six game stretches where the team didn't have to get on a plane, but seven. So 
I think that's kind of interesting. Um, it, it really just puts a lot of hyper focus on that final stretch. But if it matters again, which we don't know, I my last point on this: there are there are three things here that I've never seen before. One is Philadelphia having four division games in a row, let alone to close the season, but just four in a row. So obviously within that is Washington having five in a row, again, specifically five in a row to end the season. But the other thing I've never seen before is Philadelphia gets through their bye, which, as you mentioned, is week 14, and then has those four division games and all three of their home division games. Three of their final four games are home division games. Don't <laughs> if the NFL is caping to anybody, it is the Eagles. Listen, that is, a, is like that the, is that that is actually like to call it an unfair advantage is like unfair to the word unfair. That is like a hysterical advantage. It's this. This is like the worst year for the Eagles to get a favorable schedule, though, because like they're in the, they're not like in the position to like to, to take full advantage of it. Like they're not. They're probably not going to be a great team. We get to the record predictions here, but like they're not. You know. The owner said they're retooling. Like this is a admission that this team is not all in competing for a Super Bowl title this year. Like maybe you know, surprise a little bit. Uh, expectations, maybe they make up. You know, they make the playoffs. They win a playoff game at the very best. But like, no one is actually expecting this team to seriously compete for a championship this season. So, in some ways, it's like the worst time for it to happen because they can't fully reap the benefits from it. Um, I think it's time to do some record predictions to close. Uh, what team do you want to start with, BLG? Should we save Cowboys and Eagles for last? Sure, because we didn't really touch on the Giants and Washington as much. Uh, go to the Giants, who, you know, uh, when we were talking about them when we launched the NFC East mixtape, I was probably <laughs> higher on them than I am now, RJ. But I've, I've kind of crystallized for me that the Giants are a bunch of losers. Now, I've been saying remember this. How, yeah. <laughs> well, just the attitude. This whole thing. Oh, so I don't know if you saw. Okay. Oh, I yeah, saw. Yeah. So, go ahead. In addition to what we talked about previously, uh, I guess it was on the oddcast where the Giants like really wanted to play the Eagles in week one, which is just the lamest thing ever. Um, the Giants put out this tweet with a schedule release, like games, which, which games do you have circled on your calendar? And like the Eagles were in the promo image. And it's just like, really? The Eagles are the game you're circling. The team that went 4-11-1. You have the Super Bowl champions, the defending Super Bowl champions on your schedule. Like you, you have the Chiefs on your schedule. And you're circling the Eagles game. Like, that's that's the the one – that's your Super Bowl this year. So this team, what the Giants are doing reminds me of what the Bears were doing when – remember, like, you know, the double doink? Like, and they basically mm -hmm. made their entire offseason about kicking. Remember that? Remember, like, mm -hmm. there was all the reports coming out of Bears practices where, like, Matt Nagy was, like, making the kickers kick from the very exact spot where, like, they got so obsessed with that. And that wasn't the only reason, you know, the Bears struggled that season. But – it did feel like that's what it came about. Like we have to fix what went wrong last year. We have to fix what, and like the giants to me, maybe the players aren't thinking this way. Maybe Joe judge isn't thinking this way. Although I could see him absolutely like before that Eagles game, the first one they play in week 12 being like, this is, you know, this is, we have to have this game. Uh, so I, I just think like the giants are big losers. And uh, I just, I have them going eight and nine when I went my win loss game by game prediction. What about you? I do not believe in the Giants whatsoever. I've said this since the inception of the NFC East mixtape, the longest running NFC East show in all the land of shows and podcasts. And I've said this before. The only team that I could 100% talk myself into being worse than the Giants in the whole conference is the Detroit Lions. Other, other than the NFC East teams, right? Like no, other than I, the Eagles. No, like you took the Eagles I, out of it last time, but I, but I'll even I'll say that now I think okay. the Eagles will be like I'm about to I mean spoiler alert on that record prediction, but oh, like okay. I, I the only team that I am like again a hundred percent willing to say oh the Giants will be better than them is the Lions, and even then like I still kind of feel like I could be wrong there, um, but so I just don't buy into anything they're doing. Yes, they have some nice skilled players, and I really think that the trade in the in the draft set them up well, but that isn't something yeah. that's working here and now i think they go five and 12 that's, wow i mean I'm, so. I'm not a believer i'm five and 12 because somebody has to like i, I don't want to give away your record predictions but i find yours to be really not sustainable but five and 12 somebody's got to be because they i really believe they were the worst team in the division last year and not to like mm. take that mantle from the eagles the eagles were the the like most disorganized and the most dysfunctional you know what i mean but like at the end of the day 
the Giants just suck more, like in terms of like who they are. The Eagles just get in their own way. And so like that's a whole different issue to try and fix and, you know, make right. But the Giants are just they're just boring. I mean, and so five and 12, that's it. Even worse than they were last year. Interesting. Obviously going six and 10 last season. Um, Just so lame. I can't get over the play. Like go better than six and 10. If you want to make the playoffs, like whatever. Anyway, uh, pivoting to the football team. I actually have them winning the NFC star J surprise, Mm -hmm. surprise. I have them going nine and eight. Um, They have some tough games in their schedule, but I was thinking about how, you know, uh everyone thought washington couldn't possibly beat the steelers last year and then they went and they did that and so i think they can hang with some of these tough teams thanks to that defense i think Fitzpatrick is going to have some hot games he's also going to have some very cold games as we all know so uh i I just think ron rivera the coaching there's stability there that i trust from him not from the organization obviously with dan snyder still there so obviously there's always that factor where things could go wrong the disaster potential very much exists but that's not where I'm at with them mentally right now. Um, I think they go nine and eight and I have a situation playing out where, and I, this is tipping my hand with the Cowboys a little bit, but uh, in my game by game record prediction on booting I think it's the second year in a row where the Eagles final game of the season ends up determining that mm. Washington wins the NFC East because it's the Eagles versus the Cowboys uh, in week 18, which is a weird thing to say that exists now. And it is the Eagles beating the Cowboys, not to make the playoffs themselves, but to spoil Cowboys chances of making the postseason and giving it to Washington instead. Mm. Do you realize um, that in, in generally serious games for the last five years or so, the Cowboys have had their way with the Eagles, but the whole different subject. Uh, anyway, look, Ryan Fitzpatrick's great. He will have good games. Totally agree with you. But we both agree that those are going to be like like Ryan Fitzpatrick's like hot time is like, you know, when uh, um, you know, when it gets colder and it's like, ooh, let's let's make some chili. You know what I mean? Or like, oh, let's let's make that soup. Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like when it's cold outside, you want like some certain foods. You know, does that make sense? What's your favorite soup? Uh, chicken tortilla. That's my favorite soup. But I, I don't mind tomato soup, although. Last time I went like all in on tomato soup, I got food poisoning and like that was the wow. worst experience. Yeah, it was rough. I, although I blame it on the cheese that I that was part of the grilled cheese. You know what I mean? That I made. But uh, but yeah, chicken okay, tortilla. So you made this. You didn't buy yeah, this it, anywhere. I heated. It was like pre-made chicken or tomato soup that I heated up and I, I did make the grilled cheese to like dip in it. Um, but okay. you know, whatever. But what's your favorite soup? Baked potato soup is the correct answer. That's a good answer. For. Just yeah. so good. I like a, a, like a thick creamy soup. I don't I don't want any kind of this like like uh like broth liquidy kind of soup mm. i mean some of those soups can be good but like i want something hearty especially if we're talking about it's cold you need something like you know that sticks to your bones kind of soup so agree that's what aside. i'm saying though like what i'm like what i'm envisioning is when it's colder outside you go out to dinner hopefully you know in a setting where you can be with friends and family um you're at this restaurant you're wearing a jacket and it's like saturday night and you know like for us we're readying for the next day all the cowboys eagles coverage but it's like you know the Oklahoma games on TV, you know, like it's just, it feels like fall. Like if that's that moment is when Ryan Fitzpatrick turns into a pumpkin, like, right. Like he loses all his hot, his, his hot games generally don't come past that point in time. And so that being said, I am thrilled. I hate that it's twice in three weeks, but I'm thrilled for a Cowboys perspective that their first game against Washington is not until December 12th. Cause by then Ryan Fitzpatrick will have cooled the, the soup mm. that's stuck to your bones will be like ice cold dry. Um, so I, I think Washington will be somewhat competitive, but I still, I don't, I don't really believe in them. I have Washington going seven and 10 and I feel very confident in that. So, and that's, that's like, uh, that's who they are. That's who they were last season. You know what I mean? But like, and you can argue they beat, they beat Dallas twice last year without Dak Prescott and by like blasting Andy Dalton, you know what I mean? In, In the first game. And so. Dak Prescott is seven and one in his career against the Washington football team. And that's, you can't like translate that to everything every year, but it is significant. So if you take those two wins away from them last year, if Dak's there, I just, I don't seven and 10 feels right to me. What do you want to go to next? Eagles or Cowboys? Um, Let's finish with the Eagles. You know, this has been a big, big Cowboys show. So let's, let's build up, you know, to a strong finish. Um, I don't think it's a shocker. I have the Cowboys winning the NFC East. Um, I think, I actually think, and I've been asking a lot of Cowboys fans this, uh, we did a live show on our YouTube channel uh, the night the schedule came out on Wednesday. And if you look from Thanksgiving on BLG, I think it's possible the Cowboys, counting Thanksgiving, maybe lose two games. You've got Raiders, Saints, 
Washington twice, New York, Arizona, Philly. Now that does include the three road game stretch, which you mentioned. Um, most people, again, kind of agreed that two losses felt fair. A lot of people think they'll split with Washington. A lot of people are a little bit nervous about Arizona. Maybe New Orleans is, is fluky. Maybe to your point, that second loss is New York just because you're coming off of two in a row or three in a row, whatever. Um, but my point is if they win five games starting with Thanksgiving, they really only have to win five or six on the way to Thanksgiving, which is somewhat feasible. So uh, my actual record is uh, 12 and five. Oh my gosh. What a homer. 12 and 5 for the Cowboys. Amazing. With a defense that is still garbage, by the way. Um, with an offense that looks good on paper, but very much has a quarterback coming off a major injury and an offensive line that has durability questions. 12 and 5. Very interesting. Uh, I have them not 12 and 5. I have them 8 and 9, along with the New York Giants and spoiler alert, the Philadelphia Eagles, too um so i know that's a crazy record or a crazy finish where three teams finish eight and nine one finishes nine and eight but uh yeah i just maybe i'm wrong rj maybe the, like look though this isn't me like being in a spot where i think the eagles are amazing and i'm just oh the cowboys sure. suck. like i'm not i'm not homering it up in terms of me i just i i don't know i just have questions about the cowboys still I said the offensive line thing before the draft. This isn't just revisionist history or like, you know, trying to say what's convenient to me. I have question marks about this team. I have never been a Mike McCarthy guy. I was glad when the Cowboys hired him. I wanted them to hire him as opposed to like, I would have been terrified if they got Matt Rule. Cause I think Matt Rule is a good head coach. Now, do I like his taste in quarterbacks? I do not. <laughs> I think he's a good head coach. Um, so I still have a lot of questions about the Cowboys. So I have them at eight and nine. That's legitimately what I came up through just going by again, win loss each week through the schedule there. I tried to be, I felt like favorable in some instances. I, I was trying not to just go my like very harsh on them. Uh, that's where I landed. I also have the Eagles finishing at eight and nine, by the way, that was the only team we had the same record prediction on, which means I have the NFC East finishing Dallas, Philly, Washington, New York. Um, because I do think that there will be more stability within the Eagles organization this year. Um, which isn't saying much, but still, like it was so chaotic last year, and arguably the year, arguably for the last what three years since the Super Bowl, basically. Um, so, like that has to go a long way. Devonte Smith, awesome, whatever, blah blah. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm not a believer. Like I, this, the, I think the division had a great draft overall. Like for each team, they, I think every team did and, and accomplished what they needed to. But I, again, the the biggest change, the biggest X factor, whatever you want to call it, is Dak Prescott. He's back, and like, yes, there are questions, obviously, about what his health is going to be like coming back. But I mean, he is, you know, whatever, whatever, however you want to stop it. He's, a, you think, he's a top five, six, seven quarterback in the NFL. The the gap between the best quarterback in the NFC East and the second best is larger than it is in any other division. And this is a quarterback driven league. And so like, I think that that's just the difference. I, I mean, the Cowboys almost won the division last year themselves with only having Dak through October. I mean, so that's, that's where I land, but you know, Hey, that's why they play the games. On a scale of one to 10, how terrified would you be if the Eagles got Deshaun Watson? 10 honestly, being the most scared. Honestly, not as scared as I think most Eagles fans would think just because that is such a, a huge question mark right now. Um, I, I think that I, I would, if I ran a team, I would not want to roll the dice on that. I, I would rather sure. pursue, I would, I mean, like we've talked, I'd rather the, I'd be terrified if the Eagles acquired Russell Wilson. That would terrify me. Um, oh, of course. Well, we, I know that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, um, sweet. So Cowboys winning in the division. Give me a number. Agree. Give me, give me a number. Um, you have to give me a number. Like a four, four or five. Okay. Like the, you know, like, but and let's assume he's like going to play, you know, he's not like, if, if we're talking to Sean, like, the, the, the football player, then yeah, four or five. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I also think like, even if we're just talking about like football and the immediately like related things, like his hatred for the Texans, um, like I, we just spoke about and agreed on how there was chaos within the Eagles organization. So like, and a lot of it, we agree was because Carson Wentz was this huge narcissist, which is fine if you're a narcissist in the right way. But I mean, Deshaun Watson is this dude who like, again, there's a lot of wrong going on with Deshaun Watson and a lot of things to discuss. But one of them is he yeah. has this incredible conflict with his team. So, yeah, sure. Put that in the Eagles organization. That's totally going to work out. Like, I'm, it doesn't panic me that much. OK, I was just curious because I think that's very it's lingering out there. I don't know. You know, obviously, we added all the qualifiers. We don't know when he's going to play. If he's going to be suspended. What's going to happen legally? We don't know. But 
there continue to be rumors like when Peter King is coming off the list of the most likely spots for Deshaun Watson and he's putting the Eagles at the top in addition to like Jason Lockenfora and uh your guy who covers the Cowboys was Mike Fisher down in Texas like he's saying it you're like so there's all these different sources like national sources Texas sources there is an Eagles sort there's been Eagles sources Philly sources that like so there's a lot of smoke there and I don't really know fully what to make of it and a lot of Eagles fans I don't think want Deshaun Watson and reasonably understandably so but just from a talent perspective I mean like that mold of a player is exactly like what the Eagles need to kind of like get back to relevance like a player a young quarterback who has elite potential like that's what they don't have it's a big missing piece for them so if they got that like that would change the equation at least in terms of excitement level and like now would it actually work out here and that's a that's a whole different question for many other reasons but i just wanted to include that in there i was thinking today i was listening to another eagles podcast um birds with friends who were talking about how there wasn't a lot of jalen hurts like on the Eagles schedule promotional material. Mm. And that's kind of, it's like kind the, of interesting. Sam, the Sam Darnold Jets thing. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So, I mean, it's not everything, but it might not be nothing. So, I just think it's very intriguing. And you just, you know, you look at obviously those first round picks they might have, the additional two, and you, you just wonder. So, anyway, uh, to get this out of the way, I felt like I somehow ended up being much more optimistic about the Eagles than I expected to be. And that is not, again, me homering it up because I've been very much down on this team. Uh, I think in my head, I was thinking more six and 11, but then as I actually went through the games and, you know, I, I kind of I poo pooed the idea of it being a super easy schedule, but there are some favorable games on there. Um, it's, I, I don't, it's not a tough schedule, I would say. And I have them finishing at eight and nine also, like I said earlier. Um, again, I think that's on the high end though. I think that's with me kind of being a little bit generous to them in some instances. And I think, uh, when the schedule comes out, I kind of get into a mindset where I've been bullied all off season by people <laughs> saying I'm sure. way too negative about the Eagles. And it makes me like, try to like, okay, maybe I am being too negative. And I get my, into my head too much last year. I had the Eagles, like, I think I said between nine and seven and, like uh, or yeah, it's like nine and seven and eleven and five, and I, I regret that so much because I didn't feel good about him last year at all. Like, and I just I was like, all right, maybe I'm thinking about it, I'm overthinking it, so maybe I'm doing that again this year. But I, you know, I think they, I, I lean to them. You know, obviously having a season where things could go wrong, more so a season where they surprise and everything goes great. Well. It'll be very exciting to see what happens. It'll be very exciting to see what happens over the course of the next week because we'll be back on Wednesday to discuss all the happenings in the division. Uh, we haven't had a Washington guest on in full authenticity, so maybe it's time to do that, BLG. Uh, big day for Potato Soup here on the NFC's Mixtape. So, um, in fact, since you brought up Potato Soup, I'll give you the closing words, BLG. Your fi- the final thing for the for Volume 4 of the NFC's Mixtape. Go ahead. So you can tweet at Brandon Gowton and at RJ Ochoa with your favorite soup with hashtag NFC's mixtape. Let us know your favorite soup. Delicious. <laughs>